We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the true faith. Newcastle United's podcast, Newcastle, have just been beaten by four goals to two by league leaders Liverpool. And I don't think I'm out of order by speaking for everyone when I say there are more questions than answers from that performance in particular, if not the defeat. I'm Alex, I'm joined by Sai, Charlotte and Ben. Quick advert at the start of the show, we're on Patreon, we're doing loads of podcasts analysing this defeat, what's wrong with Newcastle United, but more importantly, building up to Sunderland v Newcastle United in the FA Cup third round this Saturday. What a massive fucking game of football that is for everyone involved. And come and join us if you want to hear all of that. Sai, thoughts on tonight, mate? I don't want to get carried away. Um, I'm sick of watching us lose. I'm sick of watching us put in performances like that. I'm sick of watching teams create and score lots of goals against Newcastle at the minute. It's not a fun time to watch Newcastle, but... That's enough of the positive side. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got... I mean, this wasn't going to be the game, was it? We, we, we came all week, we were probably expecting to lose this game. We gave, put up a bit of a fight. We got ourselves back in the game a few times. We were level at half time. There was... What's more frustrating about this one is that we had chances to... Even though they battered us and probably should have scored five, six maybe more um we still found ourselves in the game at, at different points even when Botman scores it's kind of like what do we do from there we just fuck it up again it's, it's frustrating we, we were probably spent by that point but yeah I don't really want to hang our hats on that one that wasn't the game that was going to kickstart our season Saturday might be now uh, and it does look even more difficult off the back of seven and eight um defeats but you know, that could be the one at beating Sunderland. And then we just start from there. Like, we've probably got to let this one go. I know we, we, we're we going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the match, what went wrong, and the penalties and all sorts. It's a pretty ridiculous game of football, all things told. But I'm not too emotionally, you know, Dejected. affected by it because I fully expect us to lose this game from the start. No, I, I agree in terms of that. In, in all honesty, I didn't really think we'd go to Anfield and get anything. Uh, we're not in great form. The way we've been playing recently, um, I mean, the the Luton and Forest performances have been probably two of the worst uh, we've, we've put in for a long time. Mm. Um, and this is a Liverpool side that are top of the league, despite me saying on a lot of times that they're not very good, but <laughs> they're not bad. Um, but yeah, it was just a frustrating game, wasn't it? I, I, I agree, Si, in terms of... we we kept somehow finding a way back into the game almost it felt like uh, in a couple of times despite probably their dominance and, and them missing a lot of chances we had opportunities and I think that's the frustration isn't it is that we once we got ourselves into a, a position of potentially causing an upset we very quickly kind of got yeah. ourselves out of that situation I, I, 
the biggest thing for me is just how easy we look to play against at the minute. And that's the one thing um, we've all talked about and raved about how uh, since he came in is that we've, we, we play with real kind of passion and, and drive and kind of energy and everything. And, and we're a hard team to play against normally. And what we've seen in the last few weeks is, and, and there's obviously reasons for that, but we're, we're just, we look spent. And if we can't put in the energy that is required to play that, the, the style or the style of football that Hal wants, then something needs to change. And I think that's probably uh, kind of the frustrating thing is that we, we seem to just be going through the motions and trying to play this type of football that we're clearly incapable of doing because of the state of the squad and the players available and how kind of fit everyone is. I mean, um, you, you look at the end of the game and, and to be fair, Gordon thought had a good game tonight, but he's walking around the pitch a lot. Mm. And it's like, we, we can't really carry anyone at this stage. And I, I, I'm not being critical of him. He's obviously fucking wrecked because he has to do so much work offensively. Um, but it's just, yeah, something needs to change to kind of counter the fact that the players are all spent. We can't be playing this high pressing, having to cover <laughs> ridiculous amounts of um, of ground to, and, and especially against a team like Liverpool that do move very quickly, transition very quickly into attack. If we're pressing up, and we saw it so many times tonight where we would press, one ball would be through the midfield and they were just in, and then everyone's got to run back and try and get back into position. And yeah, it was just a, a bad night. Now, I, I suppose what I fear is, is that they've put a lot of energy in tonight for nothing really mm. in what, how much um, time. I mean, I know we've got nearly a week now till, till the, the Sunderland S- game. Six but, days. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it's not a great position to be in heading into that. I think that you, both, are, both are right. I don't think we expected to get anything from this game going into this game. And then as the game kind of wore on, you start thinking, oh, maybe, maybe. And then that's what kills you, isn't it? Like, maybe we could. And um, they score, we respond. Oh, my God, we haven't responded in ages. We haven't been able to do that in ages. We haven't seen that from our players in so many games. And then you start thinking, maybe this, maybe we could get a point from this game. Maybe we could do, you know, something with this. And so it's it's more like the manner of the, the, the way the game went, isn't it? Like, we can talk about the penalty decisions and whether or not they were right for as long as we want, but that wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. So yes, they're scandalous as a standalone thing and as a, as a, as a, a symptom of a problem within football, if you want to start talking about that. But in terms of this game, those decisions wouldn't have changed the outcome. And I think that is frustrating. I think it is frustrating. It's frustrating to see the players look like they're just knackered, like they're just, Gave gave up. Was it their third goal? Where we're just standing still. Everybody's just standing still. Even if you think it's off, which it wasn't, it was checked. It wasn't. Move. Do something. But we just looked so tired and so sick of that game, and that's frustrating as a fan. You know, it's New Year's Day. It's eight p.m. Three thousand Newcastle fans travelled to Anfield and watched that, and I think that that is it's a problem for me. Yeah, the the context of the defeat is is actually not so bad. A two goal defeat at Liverpool when you're still in the game, kind of in the 80, 80 minute plus. I don't know when Liverpool scored their fourth, but it's pretty late, and you're still in the game. That's actually from a situational point of view. I think most fans would have taken that pre-game. Mm-hmm. The issue is that the performance is so bad that Liverpool have broken the record tonight for 
expected goals in the Premier League at 7.53 for a game. And most shots in a game. Most shots in a in a game. And I thought and hoped we were beyond kind of toss off fixture football. But we're not. And pre game and I'm talking about a fan's perspective here because like you've just said, Charlotte, yeah, okay, tonight war is gonna get beat. I thought we were beyond that. And the fact that Manchester United go to Liverpool a few weeks ago, and again get lucky to get what they get out of it, just like we're lucky tonight to only lose by two. There's no evidence tonight that Newcastle have worked on being less wide open and less easy to create chances against. And Liverpool are top of the league. Liverpool are a good side. And just as, a, as an aside, by the way, in Liverpool, if Newcastle ever reach the level that Liverpool get to, which is debatable, um, I really hope that our players, Alexander Isak, who's our best player, compared to Mo Salah, who's their best player, I don't think Alexander Isak or whoever Newcastle sign in the future, I hope they don't commit a significant part of their energies getting around the referee, trying to get players sent off for making good tackles. It just, it just seems like a really strange way to play football. Maybe that's a winner's mentality. Maybe that's something I don't understand. But I just, I, I watch them and I watch their manager and I just think, is this it? Is this the pinnacle of football? Is it, you know, mm-hmm. your fury at, you know, Lewis Miley makes a good tackle tonight and, and Mo Salah's at the referee saying, so send them off. Is, is that football? Is that, Mo, Mo Salah's one of the best players in the world and played really well tonight. But I just feel, it's an aside to Newcastle, but I just wanted to say, it. I just hope we never, I hope, I hope our class lads are never like Dickhead. that. It's just, it, he's 17, Mohammed, like he's 17 years old and he, he's just made a good tackle and you want him sent off. Is, is, is this your, is, is this being top of the league? Is this, is this what it's all about? Maybe I'm just bitter, but. Maybe. Yeah. I also think the theatrics of it all is just a bit ridiculous. It's like, it, we, I said it during the game, it is, it's, it's like it's for the camera, like not just on pitch, particularly Jurgen Klopp. Like he's obviously an accomplished manager. He's obviously good. He's obviously got a winner's mentality, yada, yada, yada. Like I'm not saying because anything like that, but I am saying he's a total freak and he behaves like a freak on the sidelines. And when Salah took a second penalty there, turning around and not watching purely for the cameras because he knew a camera was like on his face. It, like it, it's just fucking weird. Like what a fucking weird thing to do. Why don't you, I, I never want us to be like that. It's just trying to build his image, isn't he? His brand, he's, he's got himself a Peloton outfit. I saw recently. Oh, yeah, so he has. It's working. Back, back to Newcastle, though. It has to be said, <laughs> when your goalkeeper puts in one of the performances of his career, yeah. he's a man of the match, saves a penalty, and still concedes four, you've got serious issues. And the question now has to be, now, can and will Eddie Howe in Newcastle be able to change the score on this, not just against Sunderland, but against Aston Villa and against Manchester City, because Eddie Howe post Nottingham Forest says we can actually have some training sessions and that's crucial to us. Okay, granted, six days off. I don't think they were as bad tonight as they were against Forest. That's how bad that performance was. I think they were better. I think they stuck at it more. I think they were less heads down. But ultimately, even though it's against a, a good Liverpool side who played very well and created lots of chances, they just look like the easiest team in the league to create chances against, I think, I don't think any other Premier League side, I might even include Sheffield United in that, will go to Anfield this season and concede as many good chances as Newcastle conceded tonight. And it's a, it's a concern. And, and, and I'm now asking myself, does Howe have the answers? I hope he does. He's going to get, he will get chances to prove himself, even if Saturday goes badly. But ultimately, Newcastle tonight, like I said at the top of the show, they leave me asking more questions about them than, than providing answers, despite a more spirited performance. And like you say, Alexander Isak was good. Anthony Gordon was good. Fabian Shaw was brilliant. I thought Martin Dubravka was brilliant. So there's positives there. 
Lewis Miley very harsh, harshly got the first booking of his senior career for making a good tackle. Um, did some good things, particularly for that disallowed goal. So there are some aspects of the performance that aren't a car crash, but fuck me, the rest of it is an absolute horror show. I think I want to give credit. I mean, Klopp, you're out. Everything you said about Klopp was so annoying. And yeah, it definitely when it's a Sky game, he seems to go on even more ridiculous. But I thought Liverpool, because we, we, I thought we were saying at halftime that Howe did seem to find in-game mm. a little bit to kind of stop the rock because we started the game really badly. Liverpool were at us straight away and we were conceding other chances. Couldn't hold on to the ball. He, he shuffled things around and it seemed to settle a bit. And what Klopp did after halftime was say, right, we're going to stop pressing them. We're going to let them come out a bit and then we're just going to get them on the break because they're going to leave some gaps. And it happened yeah, within the, like five minutes. The number then, of counter-attacking goals yeah. and chances we concede tonight is pathetic. Klopp, pathetic. Klopp's on, right, we don't need to do that. We don't actually need to press them every time. Just let them come out the half a bit and then they'll, they'll leave gaps. And he, he read us like a book. And then like, honestly, that didn't stop for the rest of the half. That's what's more frustrating. Got ourselves back in the game. Great goal from Isaac. And then they were just carving us open time after time again, even at 3-2. The penalty we'll get onto because it's a disgrace. I think it's a dive, but we were still being carved open at that point. And even if the pen's not awarded, they'd probably score again anyway. Like that's that's the way the game felt like it was going. So there are, as you say, questions more than answers. But like I don't know, um, maybe got to credit Liverpool with just that they approached the game really well and they, they are a good side. Ben, whether you want to admit it. And if Darwin Nunes was a proper centre yeah. forward, he would have scored like Dar- six Darwin goals. Nunes, apart from Dubravka, is Newcastle's best player tonight. By yeah. some distance, it's not close. That, that's, yeah. how, that's how bad he, he was tonight. And, you know, I'm sure he'll get pats on the back for his, his role in Liverpool's first. But fuck me, you know, what did he cost? 85 million? Um, it's one of those transfers where, you know, if, if you're like Newcastle and Mike Ashley, you're like, and he's looked at, he was the agent. But... Um, Still beggars belief how he scored those two chances at St James's Park. Those two that literally fucked our entire season because everything was going so well until he'd scored those two goals, and he's never looked like a footballer since. It's ridiculous. Well, this is the issue, isn't it? Si? it it didn't fuck our season because Newcastle against Brighton um, back in was it the first of September or something like that. Yeah, have all of the same issues that they have tonight. But, mm. but yeah, they're playing against a better side than Brighton, but but almost worse and. We'll, get, we'll move on in the show and we'll, we'll talk about some of those issues and some of the specifics from the game. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm more concerned at full time about Newcastle in the direction than I was at the start of the game and I expected them to lose comfortably. Uh, and maybe I'll ask you guys if you're the same in part two. There are some adverts coming up. Uh, you get these shows ad free on our page and for just £3 a month back with you after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I suppose, ignoring Newcastle's tactical deficiencies, we should talk about the two penalties awarded to Liverpool in the game, one saved by Martin Dubravka and one not. A lot of Newcastle fans, quite rightly, very, very unhappy about not just the award of the penalties, but the lack of intervention from VAR side. How do you feel on it? Yeah, I think for the first one, maybe not. I'm not as, you know, it's given. It's it's quite soft. There is contact, and it's yeah. You know, if if he doesn't go down, the ball. There's two Liverpool players waiting to score. They were going to score anyway, so he's kind of got to make the challenge. He does connect with the player. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to argue with that, and I'm not expecting VAR to return it. Um, terrible penalty from Salah, by the way, and a, and a good a good save from from Dubravka. The second one is a disgrace. And what you said before, Charlotte, you're right. The penalties probably don't affect the result of this game, um, but. At 3-2, when we've just got ourselves back in it, great header from Botman, and they go down the other end and get that penalty when he has... He's fucked up. Like Jota's not... He's not going to score. He's not going to get that ball because he's taken a heavy touch and he's, he's bollocks it up. And he knows there's been, like, the tiniest bit of contact from Dubravka's, like, sleeve. And he's used that to hit the deck. And I think that's such a great... I think it's it's a bottle job from Taylor to give the penalty and then give VAR a, a difficult decision to overturn it because I think if he doesn't award the penalty and says, yeah, I'll have a look at it, but I don't think it was a pen... I don't think VAR can award that as a penalty. And then you never know, at 3-2, we wouldn't have deserved it, but we might have been able to sneak something. But that, that's more annoying for me because at that point in the game, with 10 minutes to go, when you won goal in it, it's it's, it's Kildra. It's absolutely Kildra. And I think Taylor, who was awful all game, by the way, the yellow cards are so inconsistent. Should have had should have had five players in the boot after 15 minutes. He waits and he waits and he waits. And then the yellow cards make no sense. The players he's going to do. But yeah, that second penalty for me was was it's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Honestly, in real time, I thought that's a dive. Replay after replay, I thought that's a dive, and I just like I understand why VAR probably can't overturn it. Even though then you've got to just like be pragmatic. If you understand football, you know that they, that is not a foul. That he hasn't been caused to hit the floor by Dubravka's arm. The, mm. It may have touched his leg, but he is on the floor because he threw himself to the floor. Mm-hmm. And VAR shows that, so they can overturn that in my, in my opinion. But I don't know. I, I don't know what the rules are really for that. <laughs> if there's contact, I think they just they just give it, don't they? They it's don't, mental, they don't, they don't think about football, do they? It's a really mad decision from him, though, because he's one-on-one with the keeper. Hmm. The keeper comes out, grazes him with the fabric of his sleeve. And he you, you see it in, in, when it's slowed down, you see him decide, I'm going to take a dive. Yeah. He actually could have got... On top Maybe. of that ball, it was going wide, but it yeah, it was going yeah. wide. But he could have got on top of that ball and had a shot, and it would have been like fine if he'd missed because they probably still would have won. But he just decided to do this mad dive, and you're right, VAR's never, never going to overturn it, are they? Like, look at it, fine, but I don't even think they showed them looking at it on our on the Sky Stream. It was just like didn't take long, didn't take long. No, and it it is a really difficult decision for them. They're not they're not there to sort of. Are they there to do that? I don't know. I feel like they should be, but penalty decisions given on on the pitch they're just they're just almost never overturned, are they? They never question the referee like that. Why? Why they haven't said, "Oh, Anthony, you might want to go and have a look at that because yeah. we, we think he's dived." And if he looks at that and goes, "Actually, that's not what I saw. That's a dive." This is this is the thing. Does Anthony Taylor sprinting twenty yards back because it's one again? And I have to be clear about this to everyone listening and watching. The, con- the conceding that chance from that position yeah. is a disgrace. It's yeah. pathetic. It's pathetic at this level of football to concede that chance from where we were. One ball through the middle. Um, high line. I, I appreciate we're trying to chase the game. We're trying to get back in it. But wow, it's so easy to be one and one there like it was several other times in the game. Again, thank God for Darwin Nunes. Um, <laughs> but does An- is Anthony Taylor communicating to the VAR? Uh, right, okay, he, he's gone through him. Uh, Dubravka's hands have actually missed the player's legs. 
but there's um, there's there's a tiny little bit of contact contact on the boot from the elbow, and that's why I've given the penalty because I don't think that is what Anthony he, Taylor he has seen, seen and given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So essentially, VAR is saying, well, well, the referee uh, the referee thinks that Dubravka's hands have touched his shins and he's brought him down and he's booked him. Therefore, he's made a deliberate attempt with his hands to bring the player down, and he's booked him because of that. Um, the referee hasn't seen that, but what what we have seen is the slightest bit of contact. So, so that still makes it a penalty. I just I don't know. I don't know what a penalty is anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, know what the, the the rules are. Yeah. It just it just seems it just seems a little bit frustrating because while I'm going to get into Newcastle a little bit more tonight, Liverpool deserve to win that game, but they've been gifted two opportunities they never mm. should have been gifted. Yeah. And I actually think I actually think when everyone talks about the second one, I don't think the first one's a penalty either. I think. If you're going to give penalty for for that little contact in a in the box, Sean Longstaff immediately before yeah. that when he decides to chest the ball, which is a questionable decision, but the player is wrong side of him goes into his back. Uh, there was way more contact, and you know it's it's just it the the, the I didn't think the it's one on Sean Longstaff was a penalty, but when you see penalties given for so little contact, and you see Liverpool gifted opportunities, they don't deserve or don't they don't need those chan- those 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 kind of decisions from the referee to make to, to give them the opportunity to win the game. It just it makes it hard to accept because you're just like, what am I watching here? And you know you've got the you've got the VAR court calls for the in terms of offsides for a lot of the goals tonight. You've got the two disallowed, one for Newcastle, one for one for Liverpool, and you just spend most of the game like wondering what's allowed and what's not. And it's you know Newcastle were shite tonight, and that's probably the main thing. But I just want to get off my chest my frustration at the officiating because ultimately VAR shite, but Anthony Gordon does get Anthony Gordon him Anthony Taylor goes, does give those decisions on field and I think they're shite decisions from yeah. a, from like you say sorry, yeah. a poor referee Newcastle have a massive problem down their left side tonight again again the goals against Forest are predominantly down that side Liverpool have two of the best players in their positions playing very well for a good team down that you know down their rights so that's always going to be an issue tonight uh, Dan Byrne is captain people once again ask the question I suppose of how why isn't Tino Livermento playing that side and Emil Kraft, who was brilliant when he came, when he you know when he came in recently, why isn't he playing right back? Uh, why isn't Lewis Hall given more of an opportunity? Why is he bringing Lewis Hall on when the t- why, why is Dan Byrne going off in games if he's if he's that good? I don't know. Is anyone upset about that? Does anyone think this is a conversation worth having, or, or does Dan Byrne just play against Sunderland and we have no, to accept I, it? I, I think it's been a. I mean, we've we've been talking about this all even last season. It, it, it's clearly. Um, a position teams are, are attacking Newcastle and, and highlighting those as a weakness and uh, are doing everything they can. I mean, it was like watching <laughs> Newcastle tonight in terms of so one-sided just attacking down the right. Um, and it wasn't because of the inefficiencies of, of Liverpool's left side. It was just the fact that their best way to, to get in in Newcastle was down that side. Um, <clears throat> I think Byrne has regressed in his defensive um Ability in terms of when you, you I mean, he had a, a good season last season. I think a lot of people, um, we we gave him a lot of credit for being part of the, the stingiest defence in the league at one point, and, and obviously the up until kind of half, halfway through the league, we we had the best defence, uh, and he was a big part of that. Um, but <laughs> teams work things out, teams change their tactics, um, and it, and they've worked down burnout unfortunately. Um, I mean, he, he's great if if teams are playing big long switching balls where he's, he's got to be a tiny little winger in the air fine but who does that against us now they don't do it everything is ball into feet and and run at him and he's developed this horrific <laughs> habit of 
taking his eye off the ball, right. like turning blind, constantly did it against Chris Wood last week. Um, never thought I'd see that. I mean, it's, you, you just don't see that at this level. Um, and he did it again tonight on a couple of times where he turns kind of <laughs> blind to the ball and, and loses where the ball is. And especially against Mo Salah, as you're saying, um, as, as tricky as he is, it's, it's just a, a nightmare waiting to happen. And it puts a lot of pressure on everybody else. Obviously, Joe Linton started the game on the left, was having to do a lot of work um, working back and, and again it kind of adds to the workload of, of the midfield and kind of it's not no surprise how tired Gordon was by the end of it because he obviously ended up on the left in the back in the second half when you haven't uh, spent most of your game chasing Mo Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold because Dan Byrne needs the help like it's not going to be productive for you as a team to then expect Gordon to go up the other end and, and skin Trent which he did do incredibly but um it's just not a recipe for success. And I, I just think he's, he's never been a, le- like a left back. He was a left-sided centre-back at Brighton. Um, we've obviously c- tried to kind of convert him into that. And, and as I say, it, it was working, but teams are working that out now. And I just think we've been very, very slow to react to that. Um, and it's, it's starting to become a, a, a kind of a, a really obvious issue. And yet we're the only ones that seem to not be able to see that. Dan Byrne worked in the Newcastle team last season because we were the home side on top, dictating the play and pressing teams to death. It worked great because then they were reduced to balls over the top and balls in the channels, which he is good at. He can read them, he can intercept them. Like you said, there was not one ball over the top tonight at all. It was all on the floor into the, into the kind of the space around him. And Salah is a hundred times faster than him, and it was mm-hmm. just it was just kind of embarrassing to watch. Uh, and Trent is also faster than the two of them on the overlap because Gordon's playing as a you know, a left forward, he's not going to be supporting him that much. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, the thing with Dan Byrne this season, I mean, I think the bigger mistake was playing him at home against Forrest. You don't, you don't want Dan Byrne in the team in those games. You want Dan Byrne in the teams at home in the nitty gritty games against like Arsenal, Chelsea, mm. Man U. He's finding those games where, you know, we need we need some, probably a better defender than Tino, albeit Tino with pace tonight probably would have made more sense. Lewis Hall can run faster than Dan Byrne. Why not play him tonight? But also, yeah, defensively, he's, he's put in some good performances for us, but because, of the, like you say, Ben, the way we've played, the way we play has changed, and because we're we're under the cosh a lot in these games at the moment, he's just not the player you want. And that kind of situation where he's running away from the ball, running away from play, is maddening, and no one else does that in this team, and it's it's becoming a real big problem. And I think he's another player who now needs a stint out the team to kind of just just re- regather himself because his form's getting worse and worse, and to keep playing him, it's not going to fix it. He, he needs he needs a break. I don't think he's fit. Like he's come back from a double back break and been put into the squad and he wasn't fast anyway. Like even when he was really good last season or he was part of an excellent defense, he wasn't known for his speed. He was, you know, he's known for this sort of physical presence across the back and being able to overlap a little bit, but his mobility and his ability to get up the pitch is not what he's good at. He's even worse at that since he's come back into the side. And and like you say, si, I totally agree. I think he needs time out. I think he needs to get it back up to fitness. And I worry that it's a case of um, rushing a player back because we haven't had any of these op- options and, and a player wanting... Maybe he wants to be back for Sunderland. Maybe he wants to have got matches under his belt for Sunderland because as a as a, as a person from Blythe, like that game means a lot to him. And he, when's he going to get the opportunity to do that again? But is that the right decision? I don't know. I know based on the performance I saw tonight. One thing I'll say for Burn is again, it's a lot of Darwin Nunes misses that 
make a lot of the goals down Burnside. You know, there could have been goals <laughs> from all parts of the defence. You know, Sven Botman gets away with it massively tonight because of Darwin Nunes. And Martin Dubravka, it has to be said. Um, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? And Newcastle are so open in midfield, if, I feel like Newcastle are so easy to play against uh, and play through, that's not Dan Burns' fault. Yeah. Though, though on the other side, he had Joe Litton tonight. Mm-hmm. One of the yeah. things we've been saying recently about Burn is that, well, okay, well, he's had Lewis Miley or Sean Longstaff playing wrong side in front of him. Well, he had Joe Linton tonight, and I thought Joe Linton was okay, mm-hmm. to be fair, uh, for, the, for the time he was on the pitch, and it still didn't help. It st- he still looked wide open, and I think your point is a brilliant one, Ben. We can talk about last season as much as we want. Everyone's got the tapes. Everyone's got the, I was going to say DVDs there. You know, everyone's got every, 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 <laughs> every, 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 the tapes pe- instead. Pe- yeah, pe- the MP3s. Pe- people, so. people other, other sides have learned from what Newcastle were good at last season and learned how to hurt them uh, based on a huge body of evidence and we seem unable to, to react. I think the only other thing, because I want to talk about the future rather than just this fixture, but I just want to say kind of finally that you're right, Sorry, Klopp, I think in the second half, Liverpool come out in the first 10 minutes in particular. We, we actually counted at watching the game. Newcastle didn't cross the halfway line until the sixth minute of the game. And Liverpool come out and, and you feel that their intensity isn't sustainable. And that was one of the good things about getting the half-time like we did. It was like, okay, we've got a half-time. Liverpool can't do that again. They can't do it for another 45, even though that they can use the bench in a manner how can't. The big issue I feel like is Newcastle start the game trying to play out from the back. And I want to give how credit for fixing that and going long. But fuck me, it took them a long time to realise Liverpool keep creating chances from our goal kicks. It's like, uh, Sai, you kept saying that if you watch the game on TV, uh, Newcastle would have a, a dead ball situation, like a throw it in their own half or a goal kick or free kick in their own in their own 18-yard box or, or close to it. And the, the TV highlights would show a replay of the incident that led to that free kick or dead ball situation. And Liverpool would have the ball again at Newcastle's penalty box. And it's, you know, we were watching it, I think it was on the 18th or the 22nd minute saying... How have how has no one on the pitch? How has none of the defenders? How has Bruno Gomares? How has Alexander Isak? How has Dan Byrne not said to Martin Dubravka, "We cannot keep playing, trying to pass the ball from the back"? Surely they, they've. The point I want to make is: Why have we gone into the, that game with that plan at Anfield against a team like that? Considering the issues we've got, and I'm not saying kicking the ball long solves all Newcastle's problems, mm. but when they when they did do it, they tended to concede less opportunities from goal kicks, and it's just. We're going to talk about in part three of the show. It's just a little bit difficult for me to make the case that I want to make that everything's going to be okay. And Eddie Howe, who does deserve a lot of time to fix this, they had six days off and Howe made a big deal of that and a big deal of the training sessions that he was able to hold as a result. Liverpool also had six days off. Mm. (laughs) Liverpool also played the exact same number of fixtures that we did, uh, albeit easier fixtures in uh, easier competitions without the injury list and the fatigue and all that kind of stuff. I just um, my main concern is that even at half time tonight, where are the solutions to what is happening in front of them? Where are the solutions? And I'm including the players here, not just the manager. Okay, balls through the middle of the pitch. Um, it, it, it's one pass shit here. It's one pass stuff from Liverpool, and they're at the edge of our 18 yard box, or even worse, through one on one. What are we going to do to stop that? And we just don't seem yeah. to have any answers at the minute. And I don't think they had any answers pre game. I don't think they have any answers in-game, and they probably don't have any answers post-game, apart from going out and signing number six, which is, mm-hmm. I, I doubt that's going to come in time for the for the Manchester City or the Liverpool, uh, the Sunderland games. I hope I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I, I suppose the one that's been linked at the minute is Phillips would probably come in, solve that potentially. Um, 
but yeah, but not in time for those games. Though. Oh no, no, and, and I know that. Um, and and it's it's whether we can actually do it financially and stuff. I mean, the you spot on though that that is the the kind of the, the frustration I, I have uh, with the performance tonight is um, it's almost the naivety of and and I, I do agree in terms of I think it's a lot the players on the pitch have got some responsibility as well. It's probably an element there in terms of if we're going long, who we're going long to. Gordon's not going to be beaten. Well, Joe I mean, Linton, isn't it? It, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. You've only got Joe Linton. And it, to be fair, it's against Canate and Van Dijk are probably just going to come out and, and start challenging him in the air. So I understand that, but I, I agree. You, we didn't have the midfield today. And, and it's not to... Um, I mean, Miley got hooked quite early, I think, probably before that, because um, he kept he, he gave the ball away a few times and then trolling stuff on the side. Um, that they're, they're not players capable of... of receiving the ball under that intense pressure. And this is a Liverpool side that, <laughs> as long as Jurgen Klopp's been at Liverpool, what do they do? They, they press high, put teams under pressure in their, their own kind of third. And yet we went into that game thinking they wouldn't, well, it, it seemed as if we thought they wouldn't try and do that. And um, and they did. And it kind of took us, as you say, <laughs> pretty much till the second half to to, to kind of try and counter that. Um, and it's just, I, I just feel like we're... I guess it's my frustration as well with the players on the pitch is we're, we're so slow to react to what's actually happening. And it's that, that I've made the point to you last week about um, how kind of talking up the the value of these training sessions, but it's it's concerning to me that the players need that to, to be able to work out what's happening. I suppose we've given this team a lot of credit for what they did last year. Um, but I just feel like it's unraveling a little bit that are they that dependent on kind of being told what to do? Um, maybe they're not as, as good as kind of I, I hoped. And, and that's a big concern for me because I think if they're relying on that and we know the trajectory we want to go as a, a, a team in terms of um, competing on all fronts, you, you, if, you, if we're still in Europe, you're not ever going to get a chance. If we want to go deep in European competitions and, and domestic cups. You're not going to be able to do all the training that it appears we need and that's that's a big concern for me because it's gonna we're gonna have to replace a lot more players than I, I probably thought at the start mm. of the season one final point for uh, from me on this part of the show uh, we can talk about structure tactical structure um, makeup of the midfield presses uh, we can talk about Dan Byrne we can talk about defenders goalkeepers ultimately I think we give Newcastle a bit of an easy time certainly in recent weeks they just can't look after the ball and that's the problem is we keep we keep getting caught high up the pitch because we keep giving the ball away and some of the play in midfield where the players are two yards apart from each other and the ball ends up with a Liverpool player I don't know what's going on there it, it, it's poor Longstaff it, it seems to be kind of guilty of that quite a lot tonight in the last couple of games it's you know Longstaff brings other things to the team and he, he can be good on the ball but ultimately, it's criminal at times the way that we give the ball away in midfield. You, you can understand it when you're trying to play a ball through to Isak or Gordon in particular. They're percentage balls and not all of them are going to get through. But these are, are simple passes in, in midfield or uh, from defence to midfield that, again, it's, we're just a gift to play against in that respect. We'll leave it there, though, for part three. And uh, part two, even in part three, we're going to talk about what happens next. So Newcastle have got 2024 underway with uh, a, a pretty bad defeat in terms of the performance anyway. And now attention turns to the transfer window, to the fixtures to come. There's going to be two more league fixtures in, in January in Manchester City and Aston Villa. And then there's the, the huge, huge prospect of the 
we are tying Derby this coming Saturday. And we're going to cover that game in more detail in a free podcast preview um, later on in the week. But like you said earlier on, Sai, it's seven defeats in eight. It's 36 shots against. It's a record XG tonight. And although I think the performance is still better than against Luton and, and Forest because they were so bad, uh, this is not sustainable, Sai, is it? And uh, the question has to be, and people are tweeting me tonight asking me to talk about this and we're going to talk about it anyway where where what does what does how have to do moving forward to fix this and remain in the job long term it's a, it's a good question that eddie Howe should be able to answer i should be able to answer it in theory <laughs> but um what i mean you've mentioned some of the players before like uh, lewis miley came flying at the team and, and hit the ground running so well but over the last few games and we keep losing with him in the team his confidence that seems to be shot those kind of Killer passes and that confidence has gone from him. Longstaff is in the worst vein of form I've seen in since Eddie Howe came in and kind of resurrected his career. Not playing with confidence, making all the wrong decisions, just going to ground, not just like believing in himself to, to be able to head a ball or take a touch. You know, Dan Byrne has been rubbish. Miggy's been rubbish. Um, Isaac, probably the, the, the outlier here, he's been really good. Gordon's form's fallen off a cliff, albeit we all seem to just think that Gordon's played too much football this season. We've relied on him a bit too much. That's but a bit harsh. So it's fallen off a cliff. He yeah, yeah he's still, he's, the goal tonight. Yeah, yeah, he, and yeah, he still pops and up. He You're right, but he's, he's quiet. He's quiet for such yeah. long periods of games now, and then you, you get like one or two moments from him. Whereas early on in the season, he was like the game was was his game. Yeah, um, confidence is the problem. We need to turn that round somehow. Um, I don't know how you do that with with this group of players because they seem all to be shot of confidence. Like you say, some of these stupid little situations they find themselves in where they're panicking. Who's taking the ball? The defenders don't seem to be in cohesion. There's balls coming out from Dubravka, and then that's being passed to fullbacks who don't want the ball. The panic, it goes, you know, there's loads of stupid errors being made that we just didn't make before when we were full of confidence. And you mentioned this before, like I'm worried about Sunderland, I'm worried about Man City and Villa too. We know how football works. That These teams, including Sunderland, will, will have scouts looking at kind of our last four or five games, looking for weaknesses, looking for things that they can exploit with Newcastle. There's so much fucking material out there <laughs> from, the last, long, from the last six weeks that like, yeah, we have to really think about what are those gaps and how we're going to close them. But we need we need players in. Calvin Phillips is an obvious one. We need something, even if it isn't Calvin Phillips, we need something that injects a bit of energy, a bit of something new, a bit of positivity, something for the crowd to get behind us. Because I think the crowd are starting to get really frustrated as well. Um, we do need more players back. We keep saying it, but Willick and... Barnes just give a bit more option there because it still seems like the same team that started and it still seems like we've got nothing off the bench that can change a game despite the fact that most of these players are now back from injury there are things that can happen for the season to get back on track I don't think it'll be immediate but confidence has got to come from somewhere it comes from winning a game of football Sunderland might be it you know if we can beat Sunderland and then even take a point off Man City you can take that forward and that's something you can do something with Filler have started to falter a little bit recently um we can we can then maybe go to villa and believe in ourselves to get something and then if you get even two draws out of those two tricky fixtures and beat sunderland you go into february with maybe one or two new signings and more players back from injury and that, one game a the, week the season can still go well from there sorry i'm interrupted no, you. Right. i think yeah it's it's that one game a week from february isn't it like if you look at your I've got my calendar so you can get that sync up with the club and it's just these little purple dots and they're only once a week um, in Feb and I'm like that's amazing from a podcasting perspective and a, and a playing <laughs> perspective um, but it's that isn't it it's, it's, it's the time back uh, I think 
Luke Edwards has tweeted tonight that Eddie Howe's not under pressure and, you know, all these sort of clickbaity articles are are just that and it's not right to say we're underachieving um, and all of that stuff. I'm not... I don't necessarily agree that it's not right to say we're underachieving. I think we are underachieving. Like, we've, we've lost... We, we've lost this we talked about it last week this like cohesiveness and um and cool-headedness like we tonight was just that's the the thing for me and Alex you talked about it just before these weird little two-yard passes these weird these moments where it didn't look like and our midfield knew where they were supposed to be because they're almost clattering into each other going for the same ball and then just passing to each other even though they're a yard away and and then just immediately giving it to a Liverpool player um that 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 sort of thing is is those are the things that we need to work on as much as like sort of the bigger picture stuff as well that that like relax calm down understand what the drill is how you're supposed to line up how you're supposed to 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 look and we haven't had the time so for me or i I think eddie howe does have the answer i think i think he's a clever man and i think he loves to study this sport and he loves to sort of learn and get better Mm. so i do think that he'll have the answers and it's the time that he hasn't had and we we have a bit of that now okay Sunderland is like something else that's in five six days and that's i don't even want to really think about it but after city we've got a two-week break and then it's villa and then it's one game a week and when eddie howe i'm sure i've said this already but whenever when eddie howe came in we were 20th we ended that season 11th. Now, I don't want us to end 11th, but there is there is plenty of season left to turn this around, to get the players off on a warm weather training camp. To, we've just got rid of our head physio, to bring in a new head physio, and one who really is good. And I'm sure the other guy was great. Um, and I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and like those those backroom kind of tweaks as well as the as well as the on-field stuff and um, that that's what i think is needed and i think we're getting it one of the concerns i have is how the the club briefed said publicly in fact said at a true faith live event at the end of last season that they expected this season to be much tougher than last because mm-hmm. of the extra demands placed on the on the squad because of the extra fixtures and the caliber of those fixtures and that all makes complete sense and I think Darren Eels used the stat that if a team qualifies for the Champions League for the first time, they finish eighth in their domestic league the following season. And okay. And my concern is when the clubs say that they plan transfer windows, two, three, four transfer windows in advance, did they think that this transfer window would have to be a season saving one? Did they think it would have to be a transformative one? I would assume not. I would assume not. And the problem that Newcastle have, they're one point above Wolves. They're one point above Wolves with a manager doing incredible things. And they're four points above Bournemouth, who look relegated for the first three months of the season. And this this is it in terms of the future of the season. I agree with you, Charlotte. And it is, it, it's, it's very difficult for me to accept this but there, there is a potential here that we just have to I'm not writing off any games of football here but if we can continue to show small improvements mm. in some aspects forget about the Sunderland but the two the two league fixtures I think Sunderland you, you could draw at Sunderland that's fine as long as you beat them in the replay you can't get on to the FA Cup from by Sunderland for me people will disagree it, it would be unacceptable I'm not saying I'd want the manager sacked because of it but it would be he, he would lose a lot of a lot of a lot of faith in, in my opinion I could be wrong but we almost have to look at those two fixtures and like you say, Charlotte, 
let the club what they've got to do in January because it's such a hard window to do business in. You might have to, to get the player that you need and want, you might have to wait until the end of that window to bring him in. And Newcastle kind of kicked into gear end of January under Howe in 21-22 and had a great February and March. That might have to be the call again to try and push into the top eight. And we might, we might just have to accept that as long as an FA Cup run as being success from here. And I'm all right with that. The concern I have is, and this is why I hate two things. Number one, all the two years ahead of schedule. All right, great. Can, can someone show me the schedule? <laughs> like, can someone, does anyone want to lay it out? Were fans informed of the schedule? Football doesn't work like that. It's great that Newcastle might have said to themselves, we want to qualify for the Champions League at the end of 25-26. Okay, fine. Not really what the vibe Amanda Stavely gave out when she took over the club and in conversation since, but that's but fine. Okay, if that's the plan, that's the plan. You can't you can't just lose lose loads of games of football by wide margins because Newcastle were lucky to lose just by two against Forest, and they were lucky to lose by two tonight. I think they were lucky to lose by one to Luton, and they were lucky to lose just by two to Bournemouth. That's not sustainable. And I still believe Eddie Howe will have the answers, and I believe the club will back him, and I believe all of that. But 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 it's not the the other thing I hate is you'll definitely get to the end of the season. Okay, I hope so. I think he will. But Newcastle can't keep playing like this. What we're seeing right now is not sustainable at this level of football. They will start to become humiliated more so than they already have been. Players, you know, players are players, particularly good players like we've got, aren't just going to accept getting hammered by shit teams like we have been, and, and potentially, you know, lucky not to be humiliated by a record score tonight against a good team. That's not sustainable. So I think the idea that okay, off house back, it'll all be fine. I hope so. I think it will be. But, but something has to improve, and I think that's important. I'm sure Howell will know that because he's been in football a long time. He's been in football three decades. He knows the ruthless nature of it. He knows performance is everything. And like one of you said earlier on, you know, he, he, he's kind of pushed that mantra more than anyone mm-hmm. about high expectations, about you know, making sure that everyone expects success rather than hopes for it. But Newcastle have, they have to get better. They, can, they cannot continue in this manner. I think they will get better. And to, to, to kind of bring it to the end of the show and to ask you all a question, I don't think, I think if we lose to Sunderland, wheels could come off. And that's when, I'd re- that's when I, I really, really worry for him and the football club this season if they lose that fixture. Agree? I will be out to see if that happens. <laughs> you won't hear from me again. I agree. I, th- I don't think when, when that draw came out, you would never have said, right, our season all hinges on that. You never wanted to say that because we're bigger than that Pe- now. People were, talk- than- people were talking about playing Paul Donut, for God's sake. Like, people were like, you'll, you'll, you'll give this one a dumb. I don't yeah. think so. Uh, you maybe could have done it if, if everything else was going well. You but might yeah, have it, to. It has, like, I totally agree that the, the season could, the wheels could come off. I, I really hope it doesn't. And I'm, I'm, I fully believe that we can beat that terrible, terrible Sunderland team. But if something goes wrong, if someone gets sent off early, you know, you start worrying about these things now. And I'm, I'm a little bit terrified of this fixture because I think what comes after that would be is going to be a really brutal few weeks a few months of, of football before hopefully we find an answer quickly you know if, we, if we'd lost that and then beat Man City and Villa probably get away with it but that's not going to happen that's really yeah. really why, unre- why, why would you lose to Sunderland and then and go and meet yeah. Man City so, it's, it's football and yeah, magic that happens what problems is yet yeah, sometimes <laughs> you can lose the derby and then have some fixtures that recover the fixtures we have after that aren't going to help so <laughs> has to beat them have to beat them thoughts Ben yeah, I mean, it's a, I think just quickly a point you said before, it is interesting because you, you said Newcastle's form picked up in that January and that was after basically we brought in uh, some of these players that we're kind of questioning now. It was the Dan Byrne came in in that transfer window. 
obviously Bruno, I think, was the Matt Target came into the bigger one. Target. Mm-hmm. So th- those players are still at the club, and that's the frustration I think for me is that we have seen these players performing much better, and I think that where we're at at this point. I mean, you look, we, we mentioned about the options we've got. <laughs> it's literally the eleven that are on the pitch, and then Miguel Almiron that's been dropped because he's out of form. And that, to be to give Hal some credit, I think he's trying to give people a kick up the backside. I mean, dropping Miggy tonight and you saw Miggy kind of <laughs> dropping on the bench, didn't even put a coat on. <laughs> um, he was Ready. so defiant. Yeah, he was Ready so defiant. But um, I, th- I think Howe is trying to do what he can with the, the, the players that he's got. So I don't think it's as if he's um, run out of ideas or anything. I just think there's literally, <laughs> he's got 11, 12 fit players ultimately and he's trying to manage them how he can. Um what I would say is that I believe that they're still better than Sunderland in terms of mm-hmm. this game. Lewis Miley would, <laughs> I mean, Sunderland would pay, they would, they would swap any player in their team for a player like Lewis Miley to be coming through, um, starting games for them. He's better than all of their midfielders. I watched the odd Sunderland games. <laughs> he would walk into their team and, and be the best player. Um, so we, we, we have the, the ability in the team to go and smash them. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake, we've got Alexander Isak up front, man. He's just scored a night out of nowhere. Um, he should have an absolute field day against their jokers. So I'm not really <laughs> massively concerned. Like, I, I think we will um, give them a good, good hammering. I sort um, of, sorry. And I, no, and I just think that that could be. Uh, we we just need a bit. Of, you're right, side. We just need a bit of confidence. We just need something to go our way. Um, I thought <laughs> we we. I mean, we first half against Forest. It kind of felt like we were playing well. We got the penalty. We we missed a couple of chances, and it was just it, like that game turned on one missed effort from Miguel on. They go up the other end and score, and then it just fell apart. Fell apart. And and that is the the kind of the fragile nature of confidence is that you can it can take a lot to get it back, um, but you can lose it like that. But equally, I think you can get it back very quickly if we go and batter Sunderland four five nil away from home, which we could do. We're capable of doing. Then fuck it. We'll we'll go and beat. Sit I like at home it. and we'll we'll go and beat further away. I like I like it. I like it to finish the show. It could be a transformative fixture, couldn't it? It, it could be the fixture that that sets everything on the right course, and it's a great it's a great opportunity. You know, in football, the the, the privilege how has of being a castle manager is that he's got opportunities to put things right. Like it's in his, in his hands to be able to fix this. Him and him and Tyndall. So why not? What better place to go and fix it than like you say, go to the stadium, like in front of six thousand Castle fans and and running away with that game or just beating them I'll take a one nil win to be honest with you <laughs> anything we've just got to beat them yeah yeah okay thanks to everybody for listening watching appreciate it tough tough times to be a Newcastle fan at the minute and we will be back with uh, on, on this free feed with a Sunderland preview on Wednesday evening come and join us on Patreon if you want to hear more analysis of this Liverpool defeat what's wrong with Newcastle at the minute and we build up with loads and loads of podcasts this week to that Sunderland game we've got Derby memories we've got podcast about why Sunderland seem to be so obsessed with us and maybe a little bit the other way around but definitely not as much as they are with us uh, so come and join us link in the description of this podcast thanks for listening speak to you all very soon bye-bye everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.